Welcome to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. This is the place to learn how to get through your worst rock bottom and start to embrace adversity. I'm your host, Petra Belzebor. I'm a therapist and a life coach, but my biggest learning is from my own rock bottom. My story includes being raised in a cult, dealing with depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, and alcoholism. But along the way, I've learned to turn my entire life around to one of success, joy, and fulfillment. So in this podcast, I'll be talking to people from all walks of life who've done the same. I'll be teasing out the skills and tools necessary, as well as using my own experience to teach you how to turn your adversity into your biggest advantage. Welcome everybody to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. I'm so excited to welcome Chris Richards today. Um, I met Chris recently. Chris is a clinical hypnotherapist. He's a psychological wellness coach and speaker who has dedicated his life to women who feel held back by fears, self-doubt, and painful life experiences. And I know he's got quite a, a story himself, which is what I'd like to tease out today. How are you today, Chris? I'm very well, Petra. Thank you so much for having me. It's so exciting to have you. Um, so give us a little bit of context. Take us way, way back to back when you were young and, you know, what was the premise of, of growing up? What were maybe the, the skills or lack of skills that you were taught to, like, deal with real life? Oh, that's, that's a very interesting one. I very rarely go into that with anybody, but, uh, yeah, happy to talk about that one. Uh, basically, I grew up in... Uh, at the time, I saw it as a not so positive environment. It was uh, my my mother was um, in not the best place for her. She uh, my father was quite uh, emotionally abusive, shall we say? Um, he, he wasn't a bad person. He just had uh, a lot of insecurities himself. Uh, all, all these people have, have have changed since, but luckily and, and gratefully, but. At the time, yeah, he, he, he was very misguided and he didn't know how to uh, build his own confidence without knocking other people down. Uh, and that unfortunately caused a very toxic uh, environment for my mother. And you have siblings uh, as well, don't you? Yes, I do, yeah. Uh, at, at that stage of my life, I had an older brother and a younger sister. Uh, yeah. It was only the three of us. Uh, since then, it's grown quite a lot, but... Uh, uh, two more sisters on one side and, and one more sister on, on a different side uh, of the family. Nice and complicated, but, like uh, my family. Of course, of course. Why, <laughs> why, why not? I know. Uh, so what was the impact of that growing up, sort of um, maybe your dad not being as self-aware as he could have been? And what, what was school life like? How did you feel prepared it was, for it? Yeah, it was, it was strange because uh, one of the other things about my father was that he was a workaholic. Um, looking back, I can, I can, t- I, I kind of know that he did it. He worked hard so that we could have things provided for us. Uh, but on the other side of it, you know, it, he was, he was in a place where a lot of uh, business owners and entrepreneurs are now, which is they kind of overwhelm themselves and they burn out and they have to take that out on somebody or, or they have to vent in some way. Um, so yeah, it, it very much grew up without much of a father around, um, and when he was, I was kind of witnessing how he was treating my mother, uh, so it wasn't ideal. Uh, going into school, I was a very shy kid, uh, very, very quiet, which if anyone watched my Facebook lives now, they wouldn't believe for exactly. a second, but I, I, tr- I truly was a really shy and insecure kid, 
Uh, I grew up with a lot of uh, discipline. Much of it was kind of capital discipline. You know, um, it, it was it was physical. Uh, physical, yeah, not capital. That's, that's corporal, me, corporal. But, corporal. Yes, <laughs> that's that's right. I knew, I knew, I knew it was a C. That was a good start. There you go. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it was a yeah, it was um, it was physical uh, punishment a lot of the time. Uh, which we could steer away from on this occasion. But, yeah, it was... I, I grew up in such a structured household that when I joined the army at 15, it wasn't a culture shock, put it that way. So, so was, tell me about that. What, what made you join the army? It was basically... Now, at that point, I had a uh, stepmother, stepfather, uh, both parents remarried. But each parent had... I'd kind of lost a little bit of faith in them I guess it sounds awful but it uh but I kind of lost a little bit of that role model feeling to say I can't really look up to you because they all had their own individual things uh that they needed to work through sure so I kind of I kind of joined the army for a role model uh to to try and find the right way to live because I'd seen too many ways that were the wrong way to live uh so yeah that was a that was, do you think, do you, was there a part of you running away from stuff as well do you think I don't think it was so much running away. Uh, I think it was more running towards. Looking for One of the other big things, yeah, one of the other big things in my life was <clears throat> I, wanted to, I wanted to better understand my personal power because remembering that I was very shy, I was, I was bullied at school as well because of my shyness. Uh, I, I overcame that with humor a lot of the time. I was, I was the... I was the Humor became a defense mechanism, uh, as it is for a lot of people. Sure. I love that one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, um, yeah, so I, I joined up kind of wanting to know how strong I actually was because I didn't believe much in my own strength, but I had a feeling that I was tougher than I was giving myself credit for. But at that point, it was only a feeling. Uh, so I, I kind of used the army to tease out that side of me. Uh, so and, you kind of wanted to test yourself. Uh, absolutely, and toughen myself up, right. And then what was that like? Was it all you expected it to be? <laughs> that and more. Uh, I, le- I le- actually learned that the, the biggest test for me, now the physical tests were, were hard, they were grueling, you know. Um, sure. But it was, it was more the emotional and the mental stuff for me. It you, was the, do you think you expected that? To a certain extent, I don't think I realized just how much it was. It, it got to the point where, you know, if, every time, the thing about the army back then was that it, it prides itself in breaking you down emotionally, mentally, and physically in the first year of your life in the army. It breaks you down. And at age 15, 16, uh, remember that, you know, this is a, quite a formulative That's part so of That's so young. Yeah. Yeah. So it was basically breaking me down from the inside, uh, rebuilding me, and then breaking me down again, and then rebuilding me. And over this course of uh, uh, time, uh, over the next few years, I've been broken down and rebuilt so many times that I stopped believing in limits. Because every time I reached an emotional, a mental, or physical limit, I was able to push through it. Because they made me, basically. Because um, I had to. It was, it was that or, or fail. And if you join the army, you have a certain mentality, which is really against failure. I mean, you think the business owners now 
uh, have a fear of failure. Like military people do not like it. They 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 do not accept any level of failure, uh, and they will push through no matter what. Pig-headed, I think, is the best way to describe it. So I'm I'm just picturing you as a 15, 16 year old, and and obviously moving beyond that with that level of training. Would would you say that there was, for want of a better word, a sort of a rock bottom in your life? Yes, yes, definitely. Um, it was so around 2010, I think it was. So I'd I'd been in the army for some time at this point. And I was flying. I was flying through the ranks, and I'd I'd been promoted to uh, a one of the higher levels of corporal, uh, about to make sergeant. Uh, and for the speed of my promotion by this point, it was virtually unprecedented. It's very rare that someone gets promoted that fast uh, in the military police, which is what I was at the time. And I was offered an opportunity to go to the Falklands uh, as a sergeant. Now, again, that's very unheard of. That doesn't normally happen. Uh, it's a, it's an honour actually, so I went out there and I didn't know it at the time. You know, I was I was young and cocky, and uh, I was like, oh, I've got this. I'm great. You know, everything I everything I touch is turns to gold. It's great. It's wonderful. Uh, I went out, and for the first three months, it was really good. It was it, you know, I I made the I was in charge of the police station out there. Three shifts of um, police officers and. Uh, a rapid reaction force on the side, uh, and and that was my that was my baby, that was my train set, and it was going really well. There was that then there was a change in management. Oh, and yeah, and I didn't realise just how. Now I'd been working on my social skills for a long time uh, to this point. It, it actually took me a long time to get there because much of my social skills was trial and error. Again, with parents who very rarely were there, and when they were, they didn't have many social skills in themselves. So I, a lot of this was trial and error, trying to work out those those uh, abilities, communication. And but I, what I didn't realize I was really lacking was conflict resolution. Hmm. I had a very <laughs> simple method of dealing with conflict. It was called lean in. And push harder. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you, you had a lifetime of experience with that as well. Yeah, well, it, it, it you know most of my life experiences that worked. Sure. <laughs> it was Why most of my experiences absolutely, and and it's what I saw around me. You know, anyone who leaned in with enough pressure and force and strength behind it ended up winning. Um, so suddenly, it didn't work for you anymore. No, no, it didn't, especially when they outranked me by about two levels. Uh, I realized that I actually had a quite an issue with authority if I didn't rate them as the good leaders. Um, and this particular person, I, I didn't at all. Then we had another change of leadership. Now, it wasn't the, the unfortunately, it wasn't the uh, my boss. It was their boss changed. Right. Oh, right. Higher up. Yeah, even higher. And, and now I had um, two people that were virtually the same kind of mentality, uh, which was essentially, you know, if there was a if there's a camera to be seen, they were stood in front of it uh, to try and up their kudos and up their uh, rep- uh, whatever. 
uh, you know, they they didn't really look after the troops as I'd always been taught to do, which is you know selflessly altruistically give to your guys. You know, you're the last the last to eat mentality. You know, I was always trained that that was the way that leaders behave, and I will never let that go because I still believe that. Now, they clearly didn't. And this is an issue where a lot of people have is that if you are a certain way, you're naturally inclined to think that other people should be that way too. Right. Especially if you take great pride in a personal uh, personality trait or, or uh, a motive or a, a drive to do something, like to help other people. You just assume of, that it's common sense that, and other yeah, people... you just assume it's common. Right, right, right. You so just this is a shock to you then? Uh, yeah. Like I say, anytime I'd come up with someone with a difference of mentality to me, my, it was lean in, lean in more, and then when that when that's, doesn't look like it's working, uh, muster even more strength and leaning more. It was, it was very simple, simple tactic. Um, but yeah, it didn't work at all. And unfortunately... Uh, towards the end of that um, tour, I was finding myself being the umbrella for my men uh, and women uh, that were serving under me and doing it so much that I was taking the grief for them constantly. They weren't actually doing anything wrong. It was unfortunately uh, a lack of uh, poor communication on my boss's side. Uh, and when they would not, when they would, they would do it exactly the way they were told, and then you know, the goalpost would move. And that was unfair on them. So I'd end up taking a lot of that flack. And three or four months of that led to me going into quite a serious depression. Um, I, I lost all my self-belief because I was constantly, every single day, imagine for, for four months straight. Some people, unfortunately, have to deal with this for a lot longer, especially if they're in damaging relationships. Um but for four months straight, every single day, it was reinforced in me uh, that I was—I didn't know what I was doing. I was, I was a bad leader, a bad manager, and no matter what my my guys and, and girls uh, who were working with me uh, said or acted, I mean, they they were happy, they were good because I was taking all the flack. And no matter what they said, you know, it got me to the point where I couldn't even—if I saw my bosses. Um, eating in the mess hall, I would literally have to wait outside because I couldn't stand to be in the same area as them. And I, just the, like, the, the sort of therapist in me just thinks, you know, what a trigger point to maybe some of the school setups that you had where you were bullied and you might have had similar yeah. type feelings or scenarios. Absolutely. Yeah, no, you, you're probably onto something there. It's, it's, I felt very much as an outcast. Um, very much an outcast, abandoned, left to kind of fend for myself, essentially, uh, which, of course, goes against social uh, psychology as well, uh, our, our need and desire to be part of a group. Yeah, a community. So, yeah, absolutely. And so you hit some kind of depression. I mean, like, how dark did it get? Did other people know? Did you ask for help or were you suffering in silence? I, I did ask for help. I actually went to a doctor when I returned to Germany. Uh, at that time, there was no one really I could go to. Um, it was only in the last couple of weeks um, of my tour in the Falklands that my my two-up, so the boss of my boss, did change. 
and they became a lot more friendly towards me and they started looking at the merits of my work and they started to build me up a little bit and I, I, I did get some support there but mostly there was not much they could do about it because you know I was getting it daily and most of it they they didn't realize just how badly I was catching this stuff so yeah and I got back to my uh, Germany unit and I went to see the doctor and I asked them uh, if I could sign off with depression if I could see a psychologist and if I could receive psych- uh, psychological help and what can I just ask? Because I'm always curious about the the stigma, sure. stigma and taboos around mental health issues, and specifically within an, maybe an army setup, which might be you know predominantly male. Um, you know those cultures around talking about feelings or, or not talking about feelings. I wonder what what that was like for you, because because it, it seems to me you've taken a step quite quickly in the way the story is going. I guess to ask for help and that you knew that this was depression and that you were able to say, I need psychological support. But w- was there something? Yeah. The, well, pro- the, yeah. I, I, the thing was that I'd, I'd um, suffered depression before. And unfortunately, once you suffer depression, you're more likely to have it. Um, yeah. But it also I, meant I you know what, I, knew what it was. Yeah, exactly. I knew exactly what I was feeling. It wasn't chronic sadness. It wasn't unfulfillment. It was depression. Um, I felt completely hollow. The first time I felt it was in 2004, 2005. Um, and it, it felt like I was I was hollow. I, I didn't have any feelings. I was walking around as a shadow of myself. It's, it's a very dark and lonely place. And you know, the big black dog kind of mentality, it was just, it was everywhere. I couldn't escape it. And so I, when I got back, the only reason I went to the doctor, you're right, there is a stigma, but the only reason I went to the doctor was because I knew that if it carried on, uh, I would probably do something to myself. Hurt yourself in uh, some way. I, yes. It would just I, get I worse. If, if, if it wasn't an actual uh, suicide or self-harm, it would have been some kind of um, self-sabotage to the point where I'd lose everything, uh, and that included my family at that point in my life. Um, cause I was married at that, that time as well. And bless my wife, she tried to do everything she could, but she, she wasn't trained for it. She didn't know what to do. So I went to the doctor and actually it's you, you, funny. You should say about the stigma, um, and the career, uh, mindset of the army. When I asked the doctor if I could go sick, um, with depression and, and receive the help, the advice given to me was at the time, it's luckily I've, I've I now know that it's changed since then, but it was, I think you should really think about this decision. I don't think it's the right time for you to do this. Now, bearing in mind, I felt very weak in my own decision-making abilities at this point. So I was taking, if if someone was an authority, I would listen to them. And it takes a lot to get to that point to ask for help. Desperation, right? And yeah. then he's kind of going, oh. Absolute, absolute desperation. And he's saying, yeah, you shouldn't do it. And he actually laid it out for me. He was like, if you do this, just so you know, all the mental health uh, people uh, files get discussed with the commanding officer and the senior officers once a month uh, with the doctors, and it's n- it's extremely common that every single one of them has their career held back because of wow. this. Wow! Wow! Yeah. He explicitly said that. Normally, uh, it obviously ha- happens, but that people don't necessarily say it out loud. 
Absolutely. And he, and he said, it, he actually told me, he was like, look, essentially you can choose your mental health or your career. Um, that was the choice given to me. Wow. And, and yeah. it's just funny, like if you had a physical uh, illness, you, it would have been absolutely logical for you to be signed off for a little while. Yeah. Interestingly, I had a physical uh, thing, but that's, that, that, was, that wasn't anything major. It was uh, something called compartment syndrome, bilateral compartment syndrome, which is an issue with my legs. But, and yes, I, I did receive all the medical help for that. They, they jumped through to help me with that one. They, they, they couldn't help enough. But yeah, as soon as it became mental, they were like, ooh, yeah, I don't know if you should highlight that. Interesting. So what did you do? Uh, and, and so I, so, so I didn't. So you um, didn't. So you listened to authority. I, 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 I walked, yeah, I walked out of there and it then took me. And you say this was a turning point. Oh my goodness, it was. I walked out of there and I was blessed with uh, a female captain at the time. Uh, I won't name her, but because uh, I don't have permission, but she she uh, moved my desk area to be closer with her uh, in in her office. And a captain and a, and a corporal sharing an office was unheard of. Obviously, I'd reverted back to corporal because uh, it was only an acting sergeant role. Um, so I was now sharing the office with her, and over the next year or two. About two years, I'd say. She slowly but surely built up my self-confidence again. How? What did she do? Give me small. Well, she first of all she gave me things, uh, small tasks that she knew I could do. Because remember, I had no faith in my own abilities anymore. Like it destroyed me. Um, I I couldn't make it the the smallest of decisions. I was absolute in pieces. So she was giving me small tasks at first. Um, I was smart enough to know what she was doing, but. I was also grateful enough just to go along with it and accept it uh, and allow her to do her thing. She wasn't uh, therapeutically trained, I don't believe, but she had this kind of mentality, which was, look, I just need to support him. Uh, He's one of my people. Uh, She was a a true leader. Um, So she helped me. She she slowly built my my self-confidence and my abilities until it took about a year and a half to two years. I'd built myself back to full strength. Uh, with a, with some help from her, what that also meant was that now I had the formula and the stepping stones of how to get someone out of depression. So almost the practicing on yourself with her guidance exactly. gave you the exactly. tools. Okay, exactly right. Yeah, uh, and once you know, once you know, depression, anxiety becomes easy. You know, <laughs> so anxiety is a walk in the park if you can cure depression. Um, and what I did is I, I looked more into the academic side. Uh, I became obsessed with psychology and I read every psychological book I could. I wanted to understand how the brain works on a neurological level, on an emotional level, on a cognitive level, everything. I read up on cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT. I read up on REBT, uh, which is rational emotional behavioral therapy, and a, and a load of other things, loads of things. I, I, I won't list them all now. I became absolutely obsessed with neuroscience a lot. And and sort of initially in a bid to fix yourself? Yeah, kind of, kind of. I was already close to fixed already uh, by that point in my life. I was already close to fixed. Um, as, as, you know, it's whatever fixed means, whatever normal means, you know, it's a silly, it's a 
it's a label really exactly and, uh, to, and to be to, to be fair to go back on what i just said i don't believe anyone yeah. is ever broken you know no it's, it's mentally healthy i think having mental mental health resilience is, is absolutely um so yeah i i kind of worked out the, the stepping stones on how to do that and obviously that played a large part when i first started in coaching and hypnotherapy yeah, because I'm curious I, about like reading, reading your uh, discussing what you're doing now, and then thinking yeah. about that army scenario and and depression and being you know broken down and then built back up again. Give us what was yeah. the bridge? So you're now interested in psychology. What got you to where you are now? That was that was interesting because it was um, yeah. Fast fast forward a few years, I went through uh, and worked for. Uh, criminal intelligence uh, on some cases that were quite frankly disgusting uh, no no person once you see it you can't unsee it um, I work for criminal intelligence uh, for the military police I was actually the foremost expert in communications data for the military police uh, briefing colonels and generals fairly regularly uh, on how they should do their job and so that was that was an interesting thing to do but also, it was a time in my life where I was seeing, I mean, if, if my younger days weren't enough, and by the way, there were, there were other female members of my family who went through a lot of other stuff that I, I'm not going to go into uh, because it's not my story to tell. But basically, you name it, I've seen someone I, des- I, I love completely go through it, um, whether it be depression, anxiety, alcoholism, uh, physical abuse, mental abuse, uh, like you... you yeah, you name it. I've I've probably um, had somewhat witnessed someone in my family going through it. Uh, mostly the women, and you know that was hard for me to watch because at the time I didn't have the tools and skills or knowledge to be able to help them. Um, so, do you so think that was for, part of a, a kind of a driver for you as well to to absolute, learn about this information? Abs- with, yeah, without without a doubt, without a doubt, and. A lot of people ask me, well, why do you work with women? You know, you're not a woman. Why do you work with women? That is the main reason because now I can help people. Sorry, I will get to the turning point in a moment. That's all right. Um, that's all right. The, the short version is I went uh, I went to a Tony Robbins event. <laughs> okay. Changed your life, rocked your world. Uh, there, there you go. Basically, just changed my life, rocked my world, and opened my eyes to a new way of thinking. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, it was more the possibility. My highest aspiration at that point in my life before I went was, you know, I'll be a project manager. Can you imagine? Can you imagine uh, how many people who I've helped in the last few years that wouldn't have received that because I was off doing IT projects for some uh, some company? Yeah, and those that would have felt like a success, I guess, if that you matched up to maybe your family's expectations or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, it would have felt like a little bit of success. I, 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 I'd done a little bit of that before, but I was always a little bit unfulfilled. Um, uh, and I can never, I'll never forget the time I was sat on uh, at the headquarters front step uh, after having a couple of drinks, I'll admit. So, so we'd, we'd, we'd all been in the bar, and I'd stepped out for some fresh air. But really, I was quite introspective, and I was, uh, I was like, something, something didn't feel right. And I sat out there and I kind of felt I, I, I was mentally healthy. 
uh, I was I was mentally happy for the most part, but the way I described it to a captain that came out because uh, he was like, "Oh, what's what's up? Uh, what's up?" He actually called me Data. He called me Data. That was my nickname back then because <laughs> I was the IT geek. I was, I was the IT geek that understood more of it than than any of them. You know, I could speak in, speak in code. <laughs> <laughs> so they, so they called me Data, assuming that I was some kind of an android. <laughs> uh, so, but I was sat there. He was like, "What's the matter?" I was like, "I don't know. I feel like there's there's kind of a, a piece missing. I feel like there's a, there's a bit of a hole inside of me." Uh, and earlier on, I described it to somebody else as a kind of a darkness. It was like it's, there's just something something wrong, and I can't quite put my finger on what it is. He said, "Well, you, you've got a new family now. You you know you, everything going well with your family." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, everything's great. It's amazing." That, and you're, you're, you've got a job that you're very good at. It's like, yeah, yeah, I'm happy with that. Yeah, I'm <laughs> tick. Yeah, yeah. So on and, paper, on like, the outside, and, and, it just looks good. There you, there you go. It's like, and you got and you got mates and friends in the bar there waiting for you to come back in. So it's like, look, how many books you I'm like, I know. <laughs> this, is, this is not supposed to happen, surely. I don't know how many of your uh, listeners have this, but... When other people put on their expectations on what you should have to have a happy life, and you tick all the boxes, but are still left unfulfilled, that's a doozy. Like that's enough to knock you because you're like, well, what's left? I've I've done everything you've asked, and I'm still not happy. How does that work? And I realised uh, it's because I was doing everything they were asking. That that's somebody else. That's somebody else's list. Absolutely. And so and it's not even yeah, their so, list, it's their their parents' list and society's list and a cultural exactly, thing. Yeah. Right? It just, it's it's like, like whose list it's is it? They were told. Right, right, right. There's list they were told. Um so after that I kind of realized it was unfulfillment and I went on a kind of a journey, eventually ended up in a Tony Robbins event. Uh eyes open to personal development and then I just went into sort of coaching and hypnotherapy. I see I'd always, uh, with hypnosis, hypnosis is one of the things that, have you ever had one of those, uh, a hobby or an interest, and you think, I'd always love to learn that, whether it's, I don't know, it could be salsa dancing, I don't know. But I've always wanted to learn that, and then you never get around to it. Sure, yeah. But it's always, it's, it's just kind of in the back of your mind. Well, I had that about hypnosis. Obviously, at the time, I was like, oh, it's all mystical. It's mind control. Wow. Sure. <laughs> I'm learning that stuff, you know, because like I said, I was obsessed with the human mind. Um, so I was like, you know what? Enough's enough. After the, after the uh, Mr. Big Hands uh, changed my life, I... Uh, Mr. I, Big Hands. <laughs> yeah. I, I, went, I went off and uh, I, I went to learn hypnosis and specifically clinical hypnotherapy. Because I was more into, I didn't want to learn it as a party trick or to be a stage hypnotist. Um, it wasn't for entertainment because my inner drive, I worked out. I mean, you connect the dots of everything I've told you today. Um, my inner drive has been about reducing the pain in other people because I've seen so much in myself and in others. So it's all about reducing the pain and building the fulfillment and happiness. That so I, let me that, jump. That was the Go drive ahead. that I was. No, no, I was just going to say, that's the, that's the thing that I was missing to be fulfilled. And being an IT uh, specialist or a criminal intelligence specialist, I was still helping them, 
So I was getting some fulfillment, but it wasn't exactly on point. It wasn't the physically remove the the nail in their head, the the pain in their in their heart, everything in their life. You know, physically change their life for the better. It was change their environment, or get them away from abusive partner, or get them away from abusive parent. Occasionally, uh, was was my job. And so, so do, it, do you think? just looking back that you needed the adversity in your life in order to get to this place of fulfillment and this level of being able to help people? Oh, great question. I would not only say I needed it. I can look back now. Obviously, it's all great looking back. In the moments, it's not so great. I can look back now and with hand on my heart, absolute honesty, say that I am 100% grateful for all the challenges, all the pain, all the uh, adversity that I, I've had to face in my life. I am so grateful. I'm so, so grateful because it, it gave me this incredible resilience to know that actually you can knock me down as many times as you want. I'll always be able to get back up. Now, once you do that, you know that you're unstoppable. It doesn't mean you can't be knocked down. It just means you can't be kept down. And so, so then you have that resilience. Uh, the emotional stuff, same rules apply. You emotionally break me. Hey, I can fix myself now. <laughs> yeah. And, anything. Basically, um, I actually liken it to. Uh, now I'm a I'm a comic book geek. <laughs> I, I think that's the that's the thing that I've, I've dreaded admitting to on this podcast more than anything else. <laughs> now we know. To, now you know my secret. I know all your secrets. Yeah, I'm a comic book nerd. uh, And I I love uh, Marvel and Superman and all the rest of it. If you were a superhero, superhero, which one would you be? Oh, Superman, without a doubt. Yeah? Yeah, no question. Um, Or Doctor Doctor Strange. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But actually, looking at the, the stuff... If I was going to use a metaphor for anyone who knows about comics, um, I'll explain it for those who don't. There's a character that is Superman's absolute worst enemy. Uh, he's called Doomsday. Now, the threat that Doomsday has, uh, this is not so much a comic book, but it's generally, is that whatever you kill him with, he comes back to life immune to whatever you killed him with. Oh, God. So if you- yeah, if you stab him, he dies, but then he comes back to life and, and metal can't penetrate his skin. If you shoot him, he dies, he co- you know, and the pattern continues. Whatever you kill him, when you crush him, he becomes this un- uncrushable beast. Um, so every single thing you do makes him stronger. Every time you try to knock him down, you're actually making him stronger. So are you really doomsday? That's kind of the mentality. Yeah. <laughs> without, without the homicidal rage, Great. Um, that's kind of the way I see my resilience now. It's like I don't see myself as, this, uh, as a person who can be beaten. Uh, and there's tremendous uh, inner freedom in that. There's, there's a total lack of, well, I say lack of fear. There's a, I, I don't have to fear anything because I know with certainty. And I think that's the difference. If you can get someone to the point where they know with certainty that no matter what knocks them down, they can get back up and they can continue with their life, no matter what the adversity in their life is, for any listener going through that now, um, 
no matter what it is that's going on in their life, that they have the power to get back up and then become immune to whatever it is that knocks them down. Because there are people out there like you and I and many others that, that help you to create exactly that certainty. And it's not a belief. People don't say, uh, I believe my name is Chris or I believe my name is Petra. You don't say that. You say, my name is. Sure. It's certainty. I am. Certainty is not belief. Yeah, absolutely. So people say, oh, I want to have a belief that I can get through anything. I was like, why do you want a belief? Those change daily. <laughs> yeah. Why do you want to believe that you, what you want is certainty, absolute certainty that you don't want certainty about everything because life will get boring, but just the certainty in your own ability and your own life's uh, capability. Own, I guess ability to deal with the uncertainty, the bits that are out absolutely. of your control. Absolutely right. Because now you're at a point where you actually enjoy the uncertainty. So I'm really hearing the combination between adversity and those horrific experiences that you had yourself and with others, like coupled with educating yourself and working hard to create this new way of thinking. That's kind of been the combination that's led you to where you are now. Absolutely. Absolutely, Petra. In fact, so many people in, in my uh, in my circle now have asked me how did you how did, in fact like be interviewed and they'll say how did you get to where you are now and I can't answer that in one, one sentence if, if I did it would be all the pain that I've had in my life has created me oh I love that way. I love that wait wait so all the pain I've had in my well, life has created me yeah and, and the hardest thing in fact one of the things that I had to go through in my life um was emotional pain and my <laughs> this is something i've noticed that a lot, a lot of women do a lot of guys do it too but it's predominantly a women a female trait uh but i was always one of the girls you know i was i was always with girls uh and, and trapped in the friend zone you know it wasn't a hey look at me it was, it was i was in the friend zone i was <laughs> i was one of the girls in fact i'd go into a a nightclub with my girlfriends all the guys are like wow look at him he's like a pimp <laughs> and then not knowing that on my side of, of my perception, we were walking through and I'm like, not, I'm not going home with any of these women. Like, <laughs> it's not happening. In fact, we'd get to the female toilets as I realized that's where they were walking towards in the nightclub. And I'd stop short. And then this nail polished hand comes out the door, grabs my, <laughs> grabs my shirt and pulls me inside the girls' toilets. It's nice to know that you're, I don't know if we can say this, this on, on this, but we can. it's nice to know that your, your, your penis is irrelevant to, <laughs> to the women in your life. <laughs> um, it's, always, it's always a nice thing to learn. Is this, is this part of the adversity story? <laughs> kind of, kind of, yeah. <laughs> what, what it really did was it gave me a, a much closer look into the female mindset, how women not only think, how they communicate, how they, uh, how they communicate with themselves versus how they communicate with others, uh, and how, how absolutely uniquely complex every single woman is. Uh, I was once um, coaching a, a male client, uh, a, a, one of the guys, and he was like, I can't, I can't uh, he said he couldn't approach women. First of all, his mindset was completely wrong, but once we got past that, we learned uh, that actually he believed that all women were fundamentally the same. You know, they all thought the same things. They did the same things. So I was like, look, you're, really? you're onto uh -oh. a loser. Yeah. Yeah, you're onto a loser there. You, you can't have any, no no higher arching label 
will ever fit more than one or two women. It just doesn't work that way. Every single woman has got this incredible, intrinsically uh, complex personality types that is so unique. I find it an absolute joy. And I guess the, uh, the, no the, the, the reverse joy to learn them. Oh, yes, we are special, aren't we, Chris? Very, very special. Yes, <laughs> in, the, in the best way. <laughs> um, but I guess the reverse is also true because I've been with girlfriends who've kind of done the whole men are like this. I'm over men. Men, men, oh, you know, God, that yeah. kind of right yeah, umbrella that's... term. Which, which in the well, same well, way. One of the things that, yeah, again, that comes into my work a lot. Women, women who have basically decided that all men are jerks. Right. Um, all, all good-looking men are, are are jerks. All ugly men are doomed to the friend zone because I just don't feel that way about him. Um, the, then there's the uh, the nice guy. I always find, <laughs> I, I used to joke about this, saying, look, if any woman wants to find a man who will truly, if they're truly... Uh, you know, their their mission is to find a man who will treat them like an absolute goddess queen. Uh, I always joke that just check your friend zone because I guarantee you put him there years ago. Uh, that's that's basically yeah yeah I hear what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. So the, the problem with is a lot of guys understand that yes, a woman needs um, the uh, the caring and the love and the commitment, obviously, and they deserve it. Women do have a need for the love, the commitment, um, the caring, the compassion. Obviously, they do. Now, because and they and they deserve to have that as well. And you can probably find that in one of the guys that has been relegated to the friend zone. Yeah. The difficulty is that many of those guys uh, have such little belief in themselves that they don't have the strength and fortitude to have a strength of character that is appealing to women. Because the other thing that a lot, many women need, I say many women, obviously it's very difficult to generalize because uh, as, I, as I said previously, every woman is different. Of course, of course. But in a very, very general way, uh, women don't just need the compassion. They need a man, they, not a boy child. They need, a, they need a man who they can rely on. They need to feel that they can be, they, they don't have to be, the mother all the time or mm. or the the carer they, they want to be looked after just as much as they're uh many times they want to look after their man they also want to be looked after so i'm so i'm curious this obviously informs a lot of the the work that we do that you do uh and and we'll link listeners yeah. to to some of that if they want to find out more um i'm curious Absolutely. about any like challenges or adversity that you currently face because I can absolutely see the journey through, you know, historical challenge um, and, and you've worked on your mindset and you, you seem to have it all figured out. But I know from my life that I can sound like I've got it all figured out. But <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. But like adversity yeah, still comes yeah, up yeah. now. And, and I think it would be really useful for our listeners to to understand, you know, what shows up for you now and, and, and what advice would you give to them if, you know, if they're struggling themselves at the moment? Oh, that's a fantastic question. Um, well, I guess the first thing I would say is that because of the journey that I've been on, I don't tend to see challenges as adversity. That might sound really weird and, and cliche, but I very much push myself um, and I catch myself a lot easier now because I practiced catching myself uh, rather than naturally leaning towards 
oh my gosh, this is a challenge, to saying, okay, this is an opportunity for growth. So it doesn't matter if it's... So reframing, reframing the whole concept. Absolutely, reframing everything. So doesn't matter what it is, big or small. It could be, it could be anything, stuck in traffic to uh, one of a family member going through something really serious. It could be absolutely anything. I always step back and say, okay, what can I learn from this environment? What can, what can, how can I turn this into, how can I take the joy? How can I put the joy into the situation and remove the challenge and see it as an opportunity for growth? Um, I like that. So if, putting the joy in it. And, and, and so if we translate this to, you know, uh, a listener who, who is in their rock bottom right now, uh, who, who's absolutely as if you were when you were depressed back in the army, you know, struggling in that way. What, what two bits of advice would you give to them? One of my favorite um, quotes about success that I'll paraphrase um, is every successful person has two clear beliefs. The belief that the future can be better than the present and the belief that they have the power to make it so. So if I were to give anyone uh, advice, if they're in a really dark place right now, if, if the listener listening to this right now is in a dark place, just know that you do have the ability to make your life better. Uh, all it takes is some hope, some faith, and positive action. And you can make your future a lot brighter than your current situation. Amazing. Thank you so much. So... So for the sake of time, tell, tell the listeners um, uh, just a little bit about your, your business now, the, the type of women that you help, and uh, where people can find you online. Of course, no problem. So first of all, online, you can find me at myhypnocoach at, uh, sorry, myhypnocoach.co.uk. Uh, yeah, I th- I thank you. And if, I love, I love I, it. I, I, I want a hypno coach. Yeah, that's it. And, and I'd like to add that my part. It used to be hypno coach, but now it's my because it, it is you. I'm I'm there for you. Uh, so I wanted to put that across in in everything, including my website title. Love it. And as for the type of woman, it's basically if you're a woman and you're listening to this and you're going through any kind of adversity, um, I've I've cured anxi- social anxiety in 45 minutes. Um, I've, I've, I'm so attuned to understanding how the mind works that it really doesn't matter what you're going through, whether it's uh, on one end of the spectrum being generally confident with maybe a couple of blocks and you just want to break through into the next level, uh, and, but generally you're okay, all the way through to you feel like your life is falling apart and you just need someone to help you out of, a, you know, out of the rut or get you past a, a serious wall that you just can't break through yourself. Uh, and everything in between. So if you've got any of that, reach out to me, please. Uh, and, and most of my work is done one-to-one. I do have online courses, but uh, they're all on the website. And I won't bore people with that now. Love that. People, people will find you there and we'll, we'll add that to the notes. Absolutely. Um, finally, uh, what's your, your final word of advice? And you've given so many uh, <laughs> tips and tricks. Give us, give us one final one. Um, 
This is like the Facebook lives that I do. I always have I always have about fifteen final, final, final points. Final, final, final. Yeah, um, I know because I get excited and then I'm just like, oh, come on, let's get one more. Let's get one more. Let's get one more. Just get excited by every tangent and just want to run with it. Um, exactly. I'm, I'm the same way. Okay, so let's see the final piece of advice. Oh gosh, what what would that boil down to? I would say as easy as it sounds on paper to do everything you possibly can to believe in yourself. Everything you possibly can to gain the confidence in your own, what's known as self-efficacy, your, your, your knowledge and your uh, ability to deal with situations. So if you have a situation now you're going through and you're not quite sure how to deal with it, take action, move towards it. Because the longer you sit there feeling sorry for yourself and saying, oh, this is terrible, I can never get through this, the longer you'll be in that situation. Self-efficacy... Action is everything. Absolutely. Self-efficacy and confidence in your abilities is only gained by actually doing something. So if you're in any place, just take this final kick up the what's it as your, as your prompt to say that now is the time. Now is the time to do something to improve your life. And this is the information age. We can learn anything we want online, oh, uh, connecting with, God, with people. God, and I'd say be visible and put yourself out there because when we're, we're vulnerable and we, we show up with what's really going on, we realize we're not alone. And that's when we can uh, truly kind of take the steps to make the changes that we need. Thank you so much for reminding me. There is another place that women can go. Um, I've created a community online on Facebook called truly empowered and the title of the group Ooh, is the true the title of the group is called truly empowered uh women only so if you search for truly empowered women only uh you'll find a community of women where i actually go in there once a week and provide completely free group coaching over facebook live where anyone can ask me any question if it's too personal to put publicly they can private message me and I'll cover it in the Facebook Live to the, in the, to the general audience. Or they can ask it on the Facebook Live itself. And that, that's at least once a week that I go in there uh, to do that. Love that. But it, yeah, truly empowered on Facebook. Love it. Chris, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us and telling your story. I know the listeners would have gotten a lot out of it. And I feel like I know you so much better. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's a genuine pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If something helped you today, please do share this episode with a friend and let them know that they are not alone. I know that for me, isolation kept me stuck much longer than I needed to be. So let's practice courage and talk to someone about what's going on, as that's the first step to making life amazing. Check out my website, petravelsboer.com, for your free Kickstarter plan, which will teach you to turn your biggest weaknesses into your greatest strengths. Join the community of people who are changing the way they view life's challenges and living life to the full. Until next time, goodbye.